looking for the king of podcasts, you're at the wrong channel. Looking for good ideas for life, you are far from good hands. If you think the listener is always right, you are far from the right place. Hosted by a Northeasterner by birth, a rebel by choice. If you want a host that floats between love and madness, then play on and listen to Crazy Train Radio. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Mmm, I love scotch. I love scotch. Scotch is got scotch. Here it goes down. Down into my belly. Mm -mm Mmm-mm-mm. Don't mess with me, I'm one crazy mofo. Hey, I know we have a lot of horror fans that listen to our shows, and I know things have been tough for everybody across the board these past six or seven months with what's been going on in the real world, but I wanted to make a suggestion to you horror fans, because I know part of the normal routine year in and year out is to attend different conventions to meet some of your favorite horror stars. However, none of us have been able to do that because of obvious reasons. But I do have a little suggestion for you. SignatureHorror.com Now, some may ask, what is that? Well, they obtain autographs for the fans from some of their favorite stars, from some of their favorite franchises. Whether it be the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, and many more. They have different options such as, besides getting their autographs, you can do live Zoom calls with your favorite stars. You can do personalized videos for people, greetings of some sort. They just have many options. So if you're looking for to spend some money that you may have spent at conventions, check them out and see the options they have SignatureHorror.com That's right, SignatureHorror.com
Are you annoyingly even keel? E-methamine could be right for you. I have a disease, alright? I need help! E-methamine lets you get gagged up on whoop chicken parts without yellowing one's teeth. Contact your doctor today if you experience the following. Oh my god! Increases in blood flow, boost in testosterone, ending of erectile dysfunction. You're naughty! This medicine is made for extreme cases of being keel or having extreme depression. Oh, come on! Side effects include fits of rage, acne, bleeding in folks around you, whooping cough, hallucinations, comas, trouble swallowing, decrease in semen, increasing amounts of selling yourself, amnesia, night terrors, higher mortgage rates, and increased sensations in not having suicidal urges. Oh my. Hi, this is Christina Klebe. You are listening to Crazy Train Radio. Get ready for the ride. Hey folks, it's your least favorite host in a podcast world, Croc, Jonathan Steele. And I'm Elena, your favorite host from the Emerald Isles. Boy, do we have a good one for you today. This next guest is an actress and director that was born in New York City. I saw two different birth dates, so I'm going to leave that go. But she was raised between, which I found interesting, New York, Germany, France, and Italy. She yeah. is the daughter of two European, which I hope, you know, doing the math there to have kids mm-hmm. too, uh, European immigrants, which makes her first generation American. This lovely lady speaks fluently four different languages. However, didn't speak a word until she was two. She is also multi-talented in playing piano. She horseback rides, but however, in the acting and entertainment world, she is probably fairly fondly remembered as the sassy, foul-mouthed Linda in Rob Zombie's 2007 remake of the Halloween franchise that has garnered her a large fame base. This guest, Christina Klebb. Christina, how are you? Hi, I'm good. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Before we get going into things, I do want to mention that Coming up, uh, she just obviously mentioned to me, we've crossed the year threshold of some craziness. But coming up, April 30th to May 2nd, she will be down in Florida for Spooky Empire. And she actually is going to be with Danielle and Scout, her co-stars, as part of a Halloween gathering. So yeah, are you glad to be going back out on the convention circuit and stuff now? Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I feel more comfortable with it now. Um, uh, I know that people went to conventions last year, but I just wasn't personally comfortable with it. And, um, and, uh, I am now, I am, I will be vaccinated by spooky empire, which was my goal. I was like, I will go if I can be vaccinated beforehand. Um, and so I got my first shot already. Um, and, um, and I'm, excited. Yes. I'm excited to get, get out on the circuit again. Um, you know, it's, 
it'll be interesting. I think it'll probably be kind of like a shock because I haven't seen people in so long. You know, I haven't been around people. I haven't really socialized with anybody except for over Zoom. Um, so that'll be interesting. I wonder if like it'll be um, intense energetically, you know, to, to I, I don't know how full it'll be. It'll probably not be as full as normal. Right. I'm yeah. not sure. But... Well, I was speaking to them because I'm in Philly and possibly mm -hmm. maybe we were talking about doing something else down there. But obviously, mm -hmm. as we and I just had my vac first vaccination this week as well. So awesome. I'll be set up if the triggers pulled mm -hmm. and I do go down from Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. However, from the discussions I've had with people running it, which have been super nice in the email exchanges and everything. Now, normally, you know, it shows like this. It's They do Q&A panels and they, movies and different things. They said they're not going to be doing some of that, obviously, for safety concerns, you know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Of, in large gatherings. And so at least this year, we're in the spring here, it's going to be different. Obviously, things will change as, mm -hmm. like you said, every we all get vaccinated and such. Yeah. But hey, you know, yeah. we're, everybody's going to make the best of it. Yeah, I think it'll be fun. I mean, it'll be nice to be in Florida, to be in the warm weather. Um, and uh, and it'll be, yeah, I think people, I just hope, yeah, I hope everybody has everybody's safety in mind. That's all, you know, we can like hope is that you, you know, get on an airplane with other people that also care about you and not just themselves. And, you know, like same thing at a convention center. You just hope that like the person, you know, that everybody's taking care, even if you're vaccinated, like, well, I guess we have a greater responsibility once we're vaccinated to take care of those who are not vaccinated, right? Because yeah. we can still pass it on to them possibly. So I don't know, like, you know, anyway, it's just all about just being respectful and- That's the key. You know, yeah. <laughs> I'm the last one in my family to be vaccinated. Mm -hmm. But even though we all do, like I'm around a four-year-old niece and a two-year-old nephew often. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm still wearing a mask and yeah, yeah. Yeah, got to be respectful of everybody else. So. Absolutely. Yeah, cuz you don't know what everybody's situation is and you don't want to like mistakenly infect someone. That actually was like the whole thing with masks, which I didn't understand. I was like, why is everybody so anti-masks when you, it's really protecting other people from you? Like you know what I mean? Like it's because it stops the spread of the air the aerosols. I mean, it's like, it, anyway, whatever. But yeah. I just think people, sometimes they only think about themselves and they're not aware that this is actually like, you know, protection for others, you know? Yeah. So anyway. We can have that conversation all day long, but yeah. one of the things that on that, and I'll leave it here, is my father travels a lot or was traveling a lot for his job. And he has been going to or was going to Japan from the time I was maybe I'm 36 okay. from the time I was maybe one one wow. and a half give or take wow. he would make trips over there nice. and the interesting thing is with the mask he would say when I was over in Japan or whatever they would like if somebody had just a common cold or the flu or thought mm -hmm. they might have been coming across they would wear masks for yes. something simple like that so yes and and you know that's what's so it's in a way i was excited that people would start wearing masks a little bit more like they do in asia because well for example in japan it's a tiny country right mm -hmm. and so people are really on top of each other they live in a situation where 
like, yeah, if somebody's sick, you could very easily infect a bunch of people with the flu. So they wear a mask if they're sick to protect other people. Exactly. And like, why, sh- why can't we do that with the flu also? Like, I mean, obviously we didn't have a lot of the flu last year because people were wearing masks, which is, I, I'm like, when I hear people say, but it's all a conspiracy and we didn't have the flu. I'm like, Yes, because we weren't doing anything. Let's, let's think about this. You know? <laughs> like we, we weren't going out and people were wearing masks and washing their hands. So yes, there was not m- much flu. If any, you know, it's like, anyway, I just, whatever, I can't. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. We, we can, like I said, we can I spend three hours. I think great thing. And, you know, also for allergies, masks are great. If you have allergies and you go outside during allergy season, you can protect yourself against allergies. It's yeah, magical, can- magical. Yeah, we can spend hours on scientists. We're not scientists, but we play them on TV. Right, exactly. <laughs> In the introduction, though, I found it interesting because it was similar, I would think. I know a few words in different languages, but I'm not like fully bilingual or quadlingual, I guess would be the term. Mm-hmm. But we didn't speak until we were older. And mm-hmm. I found that interesting with you. So... Obviously, you're like we said, you're you're of parents are from the European countries and immigrants and such. What was taught to you growing up, like when you're especially at an early age like that, learning different languages and, you know, just developing your senses? I think that's such a great question. Yeah, I, I it adds. Well, yes. And I didn't speak until I was two because I think I was learning German and English at the same time. That was my first language that I learned with English at the same time. Um, So your brain is like picking up two different languages. So you're confused. Sometimes I think as a child, as a baby, you're like, well, which one is which? Or that's why they say it's really important if you want to teach your child another language that you have one parent, like let's say one parent speaks Spanish, then that parent should speak Spanish to the child only. And the other parent speaks English because then the child knows to like switch its brain to Spanish when it talks to one and English. Anyway, just until they learn the languages, then you can start switching. But I think like it is really interesting. I think languages help you understand other people more because it helps you understand other cultures more. Mm -hmm. Now, granted, I tried to learn Japanese, which I have not mastered at all. I don't know anything barely, Um, but- Kushuni. Yeah, or means I love you or something, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But like, I I think it just does teach you about people and like their cultures. It it just opens your mind up to different cultures. Um, So I'm very lucky that I got that experience growing up, you know? Well, with that thought process you mentioned there, one parent speaking one, another speaking another. Did your parents do that philosophy? You know, I don't know. I've never asked them that. I think they may not have done that because I think that's why I was so confused. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't think they, I don't know. I'll have to ask them. I don't think that they knew to do that. Um, I think that's come out more like recently with education (laughs) stuff that um, uh, with kids. Well, speaking of that, and I know for herds, you don't have, children of your own quite yet and there's something we can get into a little bit down the line here but knowing what you know now and what we've talked about if and when you were to possibly have children speak beings that you speak four languages would you have a preference in what you teach them early on 
Uh, that's interesting. I mean, I probably have to go with German um, because that's the language that I know the best other than English. I mean, I still speak the other ones, but like that one is the closest to, you know, I've worked in Germany more. I, most of my family is still in Germany. Um, so I'd probably do German and I, it would be so great if I had, you know, if the father spoke something like French or actually be much more interesting if the father spoke Chinese or, you know, was like a language that would actually be useful for business or something or, um, or, or Russian so that my child could be a spy. Um, (laughs) um, But uh, I, I, yeah, I would probably go with, with German. Um, Yeah. We could send them over with the, uh, as a Russian spy with the diaper bombs, you know, (laughs) (laughs) my, oh my, wait till old man Clemens realizes it's a bag of shit. He's gonna shit when he realizes it's shit. (laughs) Who got the lighter? I'm kidding, FBI. Uh, don't call me. Diaper bombs are oh poop. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, once yeah. I got in trouble when I I said the word bomb and at an air at an airport, and um, I was like, I was I was annoyed because I feel like so many other people say stuff much worse stuff and are much more dangerous than I am, and I'm like, I just was making a point about how they had lost my bags and what if my bag had a bomb in it, and that was probably not a good thing to say. Um, so. But yeah. I tried. I tried to get them to get my bag, you know. Yeah. I'll put it this way. And it's I always reference this when we talk about how things have changed and rightfully so in a lot of cases with that. But I always pinpoint and I find it eerie going back and watching an old stand-up special. I guess it was 99 or 2000 from George Carley, who I'm a huge fan of. Mm-hmm. And he talks about airport security and just there's a lot of stuff that you go that you fast forward to say 18 months to two years later whatever the time frame was here in the u.s 9-11 happens Mm -hmm. and a lot of that stuff that's talked about especially becomes hot topics in the news so you're just like it's one of those i have to take a step back yeah you know what i mean you go and you think about it or like when you see old movies where they're smoking on airplanes mm-hmm. and you're like, wow, they looked like they were having a really good time on those airplanes. <laughs> they're like getting up, they're going into the pilots. Like the pilot is like, you know, letting flirting with all the women, they come in and they get to like fly the plane. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, But anyway. Flight 209er, you are cleared for takeoff. Roger. Huh? LA departure frequency 123.9er. Roger. Huh? Request vector, over. What? Flight 209 or clear for Vector 324. We have clearance, Clarence. Roger, Roger. What's our Vector, Victor? I was yeah, watching that... a movie the other day called um, The Red Sea Diving Resort or something. It's on Netflix. <laughs> and it's about this 1979, how they, there was like this undercover operation where they were getting refugees from Ethiopia who were like Jewish refugees and bringing them to Israel. Um, but they had to go through Sudan and so they they covered it with having a, a being divers and running this dive resort. And it was all in 1979. So you could like, you know, see the way that the airplanes were. And um, yeah, it was it's a cool movie, actually. Well, mazel tov to them for that story. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was really, really beautiful. And I I actually know somebody <laughs> I know somebody who was a diver back then uh, in Egypt, in the Red Sea, um, who was 
you know, anyway, so I was like, hmm, I'm like, did, were you in the CIA? <laughs> were you in the FBI? <laughs> Not the FBI, it must have been the CIA. Or, and then also the um, Israeli uh, Mossad, you know, so they were the ones, it was really the, the Mossad that helped bring them because they were being persecuted, that Ethiopian Jews were being per persecuted in Ethiopia. So they brought like thousands of them. Um, Over to Israel. Uh, yeah. But yeah. speaking of that, and I don't know if this is true or where I heard this source say this, but, but are you actually a certified diver, rescue diver? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's my favorite thing. That and horseback riding are like my two therapies. I realized a long time ago that although it's expensive to go down to go diving somewhere, it's probably less expensive than paying a therapist and taking any drugs expense-wise on my, you know, on my, I, I actually was on, on antidepressants very briefly. And then I literally was like, I can heal myself with this. Not everybody can do that, but I happened to I was like determined to not be on, on antidepressants and I was able to do it. And since then I'm like, whenever I'm in a bad spot, I just need to get underwater in a di like diving because it's so relaxing. You, you almost, it's almost a meditation, right? You, yeah. if you feel comfortable with it, not if you don't feel comfortable underwater, then it's not relaxing to you. Yeah. But exactly. for me, you know, I, I, I just, I could be down there forever if I could be, but you can't, but just the, it's so void. You just have this like, sound of the water and like this kind of weird vacuum of it's just incredible i love it and i love yeah. floating sensation yeah i my therapy i'm starting to hang stuff up in this room of both mm -hmm. sports and movie memorabilia i've eclectic over the years mm -hmm. but i'm also as you know that's kind of like a hobby thing but and as i'm sitting here having a Michelob Ultra, which is probably not smart with the everything Moderation, folks. Everything in moderation, exactly. But, you know, it's funny that you say that with the diving and the sense of being underwater, because I come from a family of hunters and fishermen mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. women. Mm -hmm. And when you said that about feeling at ease under the water there, there's just what I like to reference when being in the woods, hunting or whatever the case, or you're out fishing or whatever the case is, you know, out in nature, I guess is the best way to put it. Yeah. There's, yeah. and everything you just see, we're such small blibs on this big thing yeah. we call earth. Yeah. And there's just something so peaceful about being in that natural environment. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. It does put things into perspective. I think yeah. that's, it. you know, like it just kind of, we are so little in the history of this or on this earth and the universe and the galaxies. And like, if you really think about everything that's out there, it's like, and it's beautiful and that's the way it's meant to be. And it's, um, and look at nature, how animals, you know, survive. Sometimes like I, when I watch them out in the cold, like this past winter, like the way that they survive out there and they've done it for, you know, hundreds, thousands some of the millions of years yeah like they just have this system they've got it figured out like and they're they're so smart but it's all instinct right it's all mm -hmm. based on not their brains and not their egos but just instinct yeah and like i said it's funny i mentioned my niece who's four just turned four last week and she 
means that we, like I said, have a family of that hunts and fishes and yeah, you know, we're outdoors a lot. Mm-hmm. We're outdoorsy people. We actually, it's funny in my backyard, I live in a city, but yet I have wild turkeys and stuff that come in my backyard. Oh, that's awesome. And we, she's, she goes out and feeds the turkeys and stuff. Mm-hmm. And she wants, she's been asking to go out into the woods just to walk around and see, take that again, take nature mm-hmm. in. As it yeah. gets nicer here, we're going to work on taking her outside and letting her develop yeah. that. Yeah, it is. So it is so special. It's actually what I think saved me during this whole time is like just being upstate, you know, with my parents and like having, being able to like, you know, be in, mostly in nature, have like a park nearby that I can walk in. So I'm just going to, um, <clears throat> you know, that is because that really heal nature heals, like even just taking a walk, um, getting out, getting like, I know this sounds so stupid, but even like touching a tree, like you don't have to even hug the tree, just putting your hands on the the trunk of a tree can help you chill out. (laughs) Like if you're having a stressful day, just go find a tree. You can do that in any city too, hopefully. I mean, there's usually trees. Um, just put your hands on the bark on the trunk and just hold it. You know, those trees, most of them have been there for such a long time and they carry so much energy from all the, from the, you know, 100, 200, 300 years that they've been standing. I don't know. So, yeah. And we can sit here for hours and just doing my homework with you to be able to have a good organic conversation as we were exchanging emails and that word came up folks she's graduated from Dartmouth she was accepted into the graduate program at NYU like you heard me ask about the diving she speaks four languages she now another rumor I heard is that you actually might have a cure for global warming (laughs) yeah (laughs) so you know I mean she's she's not folks she's not just a pretty face here you know she you know she's Got some uh, working brain cells, unlike most some of us in this uh, crazy world, which uh, I appreciate. I'm working. I'm working on the the cure for global warming. I wish I could figure that one out. Uh, gosh, I think the number one thing would be to make everybody believe that it's actually happening. That would yeah, be a, that's that would the first be hurdle. Um, but uh, you know, I don't know. It's a it's a crazy world out there. But yes. I, Yes, yeah. folks, she's more than a pretty face. So she's, like I said, she's she's got actually working gray metal between the ears, which is a very lovely thing. So on to the acting stuff a little bit. Yeah. Because obviously don't want to keep you. I know we got a good time, amount of time still, no, but no, I want to jump in. I, I still want to jump into this. Yeah. And I want to mention this because I found this. I don't know if the word is serendipity or what. But when I, again, doing my homework, because we know everything on the internet is true. Your directorial debut was a short called As Human, As Animal. Mm -hmm. Now, mind you, and the reason I want to bring this up and say there might have been serendipity or whatever the case is, is there was a gentleman involved with it named Diamond Dallas Page, who was a friend of the show. Great guy. Yeah, he's a great, and I say it because he, we were actually shoot exchanging emails about his recent documentary that's on Prime. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Awesome. So, and then it, 
then it come this pops up a couple of hours later in the homework and the research. I'm like, you gotta be shitting me. Just like you know, it's like so, I'm just um, talking to I'm just talking to a guy, just hey, congratulations on the documentary I saw. You know, this wasn't prompted or promoted on his end. I just reached out because he was a yeah, like yeah. I said, he's a friend of the show, saw the documentary. So I said, Hey dude, just wanted to let you know, thought this was great, yada yada. So for a few hours later, his name to come up with your project was kind of cool. And you, well, you, you better get on it or you will feel the bang. That's so funny because his name is coming up everywhere lately. Um, so yes, it's Diamond Dallas, Dallas Page. Um, he was in my short, which you can watch on Alter. I hope everybody goes and watches it and leaves a comment. You don't have to leave a comment, but makes it likes it. Um, it's only five minutes, so you can you can handle the five minutes. I think everybody. Um, but uh, he, I met him at a convention, and it was right when I was starting NYU, and it was um, I was my first year, and I ended up. Um, having this idea for this short and I, I met him and I was like, Oh, he would be so perfect for this character. And so I just started talking to him about it. And he was like, yeah, I love this character. This sounds exactly like, you know, somebody I, I can relate to somebody in the wrestling world. And I was like, cool. Not like if you see the movie, he can't relate a hundred percent, but anyway, he was interested in the character and playing the character. And he came up, he came up to New York. He did it. He was such a trooper. And he's still a good friend. And um, funnily enough, somebody yesterday, um, a project that I'm doing, it's a short film. It's a really cool like sci-fi short um, that hopefully they'll turn into a feature. But he also wants Diamond Dallas Page to be in it. And that was, and he, and he did not know that DDP was in my short. <laughs> so like, so all these weird serendipitous DDP things are happening. Yeah. <laughs> like, so weird. And, I have to call him. I guess that means what it, you know. Yeah, it's funny. I'll email him saying that, yeah, I'll let him know that. Yeah. I'm going to tell him the same thing I just told you, which is, you know, just funny that how that all comes together. And he, the guy is just so positive with everything, yes. you know, like. He's so awesome. He's so positive. And with mm -hmm. the or DDPY program, mm -hmm. you know, and just helping people with the health and mental health and all that we were talking yeah. about. But. Yes, I love him. He's great. Yeah, one of the best guys in Dallas. Yeah, yeah uh, Dallas, you could send me PayPal. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah. no, no, I'm kidding, buddy. You know, he, yeah, he's a great guy. You know, I wouldn't put him over if he wasn't. But uh, I know. Yes, that's awesome. Yeah, he. It, I just found that funny and wanted to bring that up. But was that one of those things that you said you met him at a convention that you? Mm -hmm. Oh, just call my uh, assistant. We'll we'll do this. Do it. Or was he just direct and say, "Hey, I'm in." He just was in. I organized it. He told me what. I mean, I don't want to give his like. I don't want. He was especially nice to me. I don't think he would do this to everybody. I would uh, for everybody. I mean, he really. I mean, I paid for everything. I obviously, yeah. you yeah. know. But he had very specific. This is the story that I do like to tell. Is he had very specific food requirements <laughs> it was so, so so specific like i eat eight eggs for breakfast and i only eat bison meat from this one farm in montana or something like which he is the one who got me onto bison now we don't eat 
um, beef anymore in our house. We only eat bison meat because we try to, you know, for the environment and also for the cows and the cow farming that's so bad. Or we like to eat local beef that's killed, you know, that we know is from local farms, you know, like, um, but, uh, specifically done. Yeah, exactly. Where it's, they're not like stuffed together in these, you know, horrible conditions. Um, but he's the one who got me onto bison meat. Yeah. So he was like, so funny about his food regimen. It was hilarious. <laughs> and this ain't a full, what do you call it? A infomercial for Dallas, but it's part of that whole <laughs> regiment for his health and the fitness program and everything else like that. Yeah. So, but Dallas, we both love you. Great guy. Guy's going to be 125 years old. I know. I know. He's so it's, he's but, in such good form. Yeah, he's going to live to 125, outlive us all. But, <laughs> but, you know, it was funny in prepping and talking for you. Obviously, also, I mentioned in the intro, uh, Halloween, Rob Zombie's Halloween. So mm-hmm. was that just a normal project that you auditioned for? Or what was, because I know you have a background with, you've done stuff on Broadway and off Broadway and a lot of theater work, and, but also you train and done stuff with directing shorts and writing producing you got your hands all over the place and too many too many too many places probably (laughs) um all appropriate folks (laughs) (laughs) um but no i i well i started off broadway i started in the theater in new york and then i was at one point i was in a, a repertory company in new york city that does not exist anymore sadly because black box theaters and smaller theaters really have had a hard time um staying alive in New York in, you know, last decade. Um, but, uh, it was the Jean Cocteau repertory. And I, so I was there, I was doing that. I was in Romeo and Juliet. I played Juliet. I was doing, you know, Moliere and all classical theater. And then I was bartending at the same time. And it was just like, I could not make any money. I mean, the, the amount I got paid for being in a rep, like in the company, you got paid like a hundred dollars a week and you performed like five times. Like, I mean, it was ridiculous. It was almost like, like, I mean, you, and that was non-equity. It was not union, but that was, those were my first jobs that were professional jobs. And I I loved it. I mean, I got the opportunity to be on a stage in New York city and like, so yeah, I, I would love to go back to theater in New York, but most of the stuff now is musicals. And although I do sing, I'm not sure that I'm Broadway trained singer, you know, style. So I don't know, we'll see. But um, but Halloween, I auditioned for like any other uh, thing. I was in LA at the time. Um, my manager in New York sent me up on the audition and I um, auditioned for it. It was called the Untitled Rob Zombie Project. So I did not know it was Halloween. I also had not watched Halloween at the time. I was not like, I did not know barely any horror movies except for Nightmare on Elm Street. Like that was, so um, I was kind of thrust into this world and was like super lucky. I mean, I say lucky, obviously I worked hard and I always work hard, but you can work really hard and not have any luck or you can you can also not work at all and have a lot of luck, but at some point the two have to join together in order to, you know, create work because, yeah. um, you know, it's such a hard business, but. Well, speaking of which, well, have you gotten into horror uh, since doing that project? Yeah. I mean, I think I've gotten, um, I did a bunch of horror movies kind of over the years. I think um, 
different types of horror, you know, like I would say like some are like comedy horrors, like, you know, don't kill it with Dolph Lundgren. Like that was, that's like a really over the top horror comedy, I would say, you know, or, or um, I've done um, a couple anthology films like Tales of Halloween or Chillerama, but also Chillerama was a comedy kind of like over the top. Um, yeah, I've done, I've uh, Dementia or Proxy. Those are more thrillers, I would say. Um, but I, I really, I did realize that at one point I didn't want to just be doing that anymore. And I was like, this is getting boring for me and not boring. I always love acting. So that's never boring, but like, I wanted to break into something else. I was like, this is not, this is not all I want to do. It's something I want to do. And I want to continue being in horror movies, but I don't only want to do this. Not and stereotypical. I, yeah. I, I just, you know, like. So I, that's when I went to directing school. That's when I was like, I want to create my own projects. Um, I just wrote my first feature. Um, it's called Gene Therapy. And it's about a girl named Jean who um, is diagnosed with BRCA2 with a gene, BRCA2 gene. Um, so I'm looking for funding for that. If any really rich people listening right now, they want to <laughs> fund my movie then, uh, but no, I'm, I'm sending it to people to read, you know, you do the whole process like, um, and yeah, I just, I want to be a little bit more in control of the work that I do. And I want to, I also want to do some projects that have a positive message to them not always I love horror movies and I will always support them because I think they re they represent a certain kind of therapy also for people people love to watch horror movies because it scares them it makes them feel something it's kind of like comedy you know like people either want to laugh cry or be scared I think right they want to feel something so I will always always want to be, you know, do horror, but I also want to do stuff that has a more like uplifting message as well. You know, I, I just, I'm kind of, I feel myself drawn to that right now in my life. Well, I want to go back to Halloween for a second, but we just hit a couple topics mm -hmm. there that were part of fan questions. So I might as well get them in mm -hmm. here now. Yeah. Uh, Eduardo Guerrero wanted to know, cause he's, a younger guy wanting to get into directing and he asked mm -hmm. about as human as animal as an aspiring director and you hit hinted at it there in that answer what would you say your best advice has been to try to get as he put it get money for the films as a broke guy like me getting into the business okay <sighs> so well, financing is a big deal he wants to direct or yeah he wants to direct but Obviously, mm -hmm. like you said there, financing is a big deal. Yeah, financing is hard for no matter what what level. I mean, I, I can get the script to certain people that are, you know, big production companies, but that doesn't mean they're going to read it. <laughs> you know, they might say they read it, but it might take them like three years to read it. That's that's the problem. It's It's so, I mean, what I would say to him is to make your own things on a very low budget, but make them different and interesting so that it catches somebody's attention. So let's say like, I mean, first of all, there are great, you can make a short film, you can send it to festivals, you can send it to alter, you know, that website where you can get, you know, I would say that is a great place to start. You do not have to go to film school. 
In fact, I would probably tell you not to go to film school. You can learn a lot on your own by practicing, you know, lighting things. Even if you want to be a director, you should still know how to use a camera. I started off as a documentary filmmaker. So I was holding a camera. I knew what F-stops were. I knew how to light something. I knew how to use lenses. I knew, you know, basic stuff. I'm not like a amazing DP, but, you know, to teach yourself those things, you can do that. It takes a little bit of practice, you know, just go out, film your friends and then practice editing, you know, on iMovie or something like I edit. Also, I know the basics. I know the basics of everything because I think that's really important in in the ability to put together a feature. You know, like if I were to get an opportunity to direct a feature, I could sit in the editing room with the editor and say, "Mm, I don't, I think we should cut out a little earlier and, you know, maybe have the music come underneath here or have that her talking kind of fade more, you know, over this scene when, you know, I mean, I just, because I can visualize how the editing works, I can speak to the editor. Well, the little nuances. And it's funny that we talked to a famous uh, DP and, Man of many hats said something similar. Dean Cundy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, he tra- he said this with us a couple months back, and what you just said: train yourself as in many aspects as possible. Yeah, that way you find yourself more useful. They might yeah. not need you as an actor here, but mm-hmm. hey, come in and help assist the director. You know what I mean? Just yeah. make yourself more useful. Absolutely. But as far as and Okram, I'm sorry if I mispronounce your name, buddy. He wanted to know if there was any other horror franchises franchises that you'd like to star in. Um, man, um, that's interesting. I mean, I guess quite honestly, most of them I feel like I would be too old now to do. But um, I, I do. I would have loved to do Nightmare on Elm Street if they ever did like a remake or something of that. But what what character would I even play? I mean, there's no, I guess I could start playing moms is what I could start to play. Um, but um, uh, I'm trying to think like, I loved, I really wanted to audition for the new Candyman movie, but there's not really, I, I forget what, I don't even know who they cast. Um, I'm not even sure there was, I think they may, I can't remember who they cast, but I do know the director and I think she's awesome. And I love Tony Todd. And um, I'm trying to think like, I would prefer to be a part of maybe a new or maybe franchise. The, yeah, or a new franchise or like the, I, maybe like the exorcist or something like that. Like if they, like, I love that TV show. They did a TV show, the exorcist, didn't they? Um, I think so. Yeah. That was pretty good. I thought I, or there was something about a, like a priest who is doing exorcisms. It's a TV show. He's British. He's great. Um, I don't know. Um, it's hard. You know, there's something that you mentioned, and I can't say publicly, that I have in hand. Not my project. Nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't go that route. But in part of your answer, I have something that I know somebody, as far as a reboot or whatever, Mm-hmm. I think you would find interesting because it's brought up to the time period we are in 2020, 2021, mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. how we are society. I think you would appreciate it at least. Yeah. Well, can you tell me after this? Okay. Well, okay. Yeah. But yeah. like I said, I can't publicly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, because I promised a person I wouldn't who's a yeah, writer and all. 
course. Yeah, I got to keep my word. Yes. So, but, but I, I am excited that I get to be part of Call of Duty. I mean, that's yes. like super cool. I mean, like that was that was a dream I had back a couple years ago, like maybe like ten years ago when it first came out. I was. Are you about, are you a gamer? Not really, but I I started playing after I was in Friday the Thirteenth. The game I started playing. Uh, I got a PS4, but the problem is I haven't had it with me since quarantine, so um, I have not been playing. I'm not even that much like of a gamer, but I just love the idea of being a badass, like being a badass, like who's telling people what to do on the battlefield. Like, I don't know. I just, I, I, so that was kind of a dream that that came true this year, which is so cool. You did the German side of things, correct? Mm -hmm. I did the HVA East, East German announcer. So like, and I also play a couple characters. Like I'm, I'm, I'm Greta when you go to the East Berlin chapter you like do the walkthrough. I'm the informant. I'm the East German informant. Um, And then I do a bunch of like other NATO pilots, like French NATO pilots and, um, and some scientists here and there, but yeah. Um, But I'm trying to think like franchise wise, like, I guess I should think bigger like that. (laughs) I don't know why I don't think bigger like that. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, it's part of, I would say, and I mean this respectfully, mush brain there that we've had this past year being quarantined mm-hmm. and stuff could be part yeah. of it. Yes. But, and I don't know where this came from, but I thought this was interesting, this last one from a fan. Mm-hmm. Dexter asked, if you were to play a hypnotist on a horror feature film, what objects would she want to use to hypnotize her, her subject and why? Ooh, that's a really intricate question. Um, I don't, I mean, I don't know what hypnotists normally use. I, I, um, I guess I would use a pendulum like, or something, right. Isn't that what you like? A, I maybe would like think a crystal, a crystal pendulum. I'd maybe use like a, maybe, um, something with like an, an a symbol, like a positive ancient symbol on it, something. So you only have like positive energy that goes into the hypnotism to make sure yeah. that they come out of it well. Yeah. Um, and I have been learning, I, I now I'm certified for Reiki. I have got my first certification. So, um, I'm, I'm not a hypnotist, but I am, I am a Reiki, I can be a Reiki practitioner. I guess I am a Reiki practitioner. I am a practicing Reiki worker. Yeah, that must have been something that Dexter had known because I wasn't, I was like, "Hmm, what made him think that direction? You mentioned Friday the 13th game and that was something I heard uh, back in the fall. You actually booked that while at a convention. So well, and I didn't I book out, it while I was at the convention, but I met the people and then I auditioned for it. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. Yeah, I think conventions like can be incredible places where you meet people of similar interest and hopefully you can create long lasting relationships like same like Diamond Dallas Page and, um, you know, the guys from Friday the 13th game. I mean, obviously, Kane Hodder, I had worked with on Chiller. One of the best guys around. Yeah, he's Another awesome. One. Um, but the, but the, the creators, uh, Ronnie Hobbs, um, and, and, um, and Wes, they are just awesome video game creators. And, you know, they are always on my side. They always want to cast me in something else that they're like, we have this product. I mean, we haven't worked together again yet, but it's like, I feel like a long-term relationship. Like we will work together again. You don't always make those 
friendships and relationships, but the times that you do, it's super special, I think. And that's, yeah, that's got to make you feel good that your name keeps popping up with different things that they might be working on. Yeah, voiceover wise, I've been doing, I have to say, like, I'm, I think I mean, I, I was wondering if I was ever going to step in front of a camera again, because I'm like, I have a lot of voiceover work. So I'm like, I love it. I love it. I love that I don't have to put on makeup. I don't care what I look like. I just get to use my voice and, you know, be, I love it. I just love it. Hey, it pays the bills <laughs> just as much, you know. Yeah, you know, not not always, but not everything. But it, at the same time, you know, who can say that they love what they do so much? You know, it's like exactly. And but I want to go back to Halloween for a second, like mm-hmm. I said, because yeah. I have I want to bring this up and one more topic that you touched on, but we kind of we kept going here, and I mean this with all due respect. And I know I've had this kind of conversation with folks uh, on both sides of the spectrum here, but. During your murder scene, your character at least was nude. Now, was that a, and I'm, like I said, I mean this respectfully, were you, was that a body double or you someone who's confident enough? You know, because film lasts forever, you know, you're like, yeah, I'm good. No, yeah, that was definitely not a body double. That was not an option for me. I, you know, but, um, but, um, you know, unfortunately, what I hate about the internet is that people take like stills from the movie. And I think that's, I mean, a movie is meant to be a movie. It's a moving image. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not meant to be screenshotted. Like, you know, that's not the point of film, right? If somebody wants to take a sexy photo of me, then you can look at the Maxim photos, right? Those were made with lights and, you know, photography is different than moving images. Like, so I don't like that film has become this thing where you can't even have a nude scene without people sexualizing it. You know, in Europe, there are lots of nude scenes, like in movies. You know, and what TV about that too? Yeah, like they don't care. You go. To, there are posters of people topless for like a cream ad. You know, like I mean, it's not it's not gratuitous. It's just natural. It's not sexual. It's just a natural body. And why does it have to always? Why can't it's frustrating? I think for actors and directors now that you don't even want to do a sex scene because you're so worried about what's going to end up on the internet rather than caring about doing a, an interesting, meaningful scene. Now, granted, this was a horror movie. I don't know that meaningful scene comes yeah. into play here, but I'm just like giving you an example of like why it seems worse now almost than movies that were made back in the day where it's like, you had a nude scene, but it was over and then that's it, you know? Yeah. And like you said, the mentality over in like Europe and overseas, it's a whole different. They just don't game. even look at it. They don't, we don't think of it that way. Of, they don't even, it's not even topic of conversation. Like Exactly. But speaking of that, it's, do you find, have you ever found yourself because of the different mentality, whether it be business related or otherwise folks being a little too creepy for you? Uh, gosh, well, my God, well, creepy is not the word, but are there assholes? Yes. (laughs) Um, and it's not even a mentality thing. I mean, this has a lot to do with being a woman in the business, which, you know, I never thought was, would, would, was an issue or I never thought of myself as being underprivileged because I'm a woman growing up. 
but going to Hollywood, I was very quickly shown that my brains were not what was respected. My um, words, my, my ideas were not necessarily respected. It was, um, I, 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 God, when I think about what they're doing to Cuomo right now, and I don't want to get like, you know, too much into this, but I could literally go after people for so much worse than what Cuomo is going through. I know he's a politician, so that's different. And he was in a position, but I mean, if I were to list like, um, you know, the people in Hollywood that tried to kiss me in inappropriate situations. And because I said, no, I was blacklisted. I, you know, it frustrates me because I'm like, actually, I think Cuomo did a really good job during this pandemic. And now, you know, I'm like, yes, it's, I don't know the all, I'm always on the woman's side. I'm always, I believe that these women are telling the truth. Like, but why, why is this happening? Like, it makes me want to come forward with all my stories, but I'm like, why would anybody care, you know, that somebody tried to kiss me? And I said, no, you know, why would somebody care? Well, I said, no, I didn't have to kiss them. He didn't rape me. Um, I got out fine, except for that high up producer or that high up manager or that really famous, well-known, huge agent blacklisted me. How am I supposed to prove that though? You know, yeah, I know the whole it. he said, she said kind of thing. I know it, but you know, it just, but see, that's the thing is like, look, Cuomo's being thrown under the bus right away. So how come those guys wouldn't be if I said something, you know, maybe exactly. I will, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> yeah. time will tell if you tell your, that particular, yeah, exactly. those particular stories. Exactly. But my final question, cause you brought it up is, and thank you so much for the time, but I know you were involved. You said you were involved in putting together a project with bracket too. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Yep. And those are part of some of my health issues I've dealt with. That big C word. Uh, okay. Years. Okay. Luckily, t- wow. 10 years, going mm-hmm. on 11 years, knock on wood, this wooden desk here I'm sitting right. at. Yeah. But That's really young to go. Yeah. Uh, mid-20s. Mm-hmm. I was, you know, 25 diagnosis. Mm-hmm. But I'm curious with you, was that, well, first of all, was that something that you were, did something not seem right and you got checked out and found this gene or was this, mm-hmm. you know, can you talk about that yeah. whole mindset and stuff? Yeah. I mean, it was, um, well, mostly I had a lot of people in my family have breast cancer. So um, my, my aunts on both sides had breast cancer. My grandparents on both sides, grandmothers had breast cancer. Um, and then my dad's sister had pancreatic cancer and died of pancreatic cancer when she was like 70. So not super young, but still, you know, she was super healthy otherwise. Like, so I just was told that I should get tested and they covered it because I had so much breast cancer in my family on both sides. Um, and then I came back positive and I didn't even know what that meant. I mean, I was very, naive about what the, what that meant. Like, except for that, then all of a sudden everybody was like, well, you need to cut off your boobs and get rid of your ovaries and do this. And, and I still haven't done any of that, but, but still but getting all this information is a lot to wrap your brain around. It's a lot of information. And in fact, it's what led me to meditate more. It's what led me to become more, I was always very spiritual, but it led me to become more spiritual, like in terms of really listening to my body, like, you know, um, 
and taking time for myself when I need it, because stress is such a huge component in for cancer, you know, like, um, I, I also taught myself to not think about it all the time because in the beginning I was like, I couldn't stop thinking about it. I was like, every moment I was like, what should I do? I'm going to, you know, I, I could like see the cancer, you know, cells, like, you know, you know, I was like, ugh. and then I was just like, I need to let this go. I need to, this is a separate, this is not attached to me. It is not, I am not this gene. It is in me, but you know, there is a, I also learned about this thing called epigenetics, which says it's supposedly you can alter your genes by, <laughs> I don't know if this is really true, but it is a science and I find it very fascinating. It's in very, very early. It's like an early, um, you know, there's not much known about it, but I find it fascinating. Yes, so, yeah. you know, um, I just try to be positive, um, but eventually I will probably have to make a decision in the near future whether I want to get a double preventative mastectomy and get rid of my ovaries, which will make me go into menopause um, very early and, and or take the risk of getting cancer. So I don't know, it's, it's uh, definitely not a fun decision to have to make or think about at the same time, I don't have cancer yet. So thank God for that. And I hope it does yeah, stay that way until I make the right decision. So, you know. And, you know, the biggest thing there is everybody's got to make the right decision for them. Yeah. But you said it there, which I try to tell everybody, male, female, it doesn't matter. Listen to your body. If you're, you know, guys, you know, prostate, all that other stuff, stay on top of your health. Female. Make sure if you're of age or like Christina mm -hmm. here has got a history, make mm -hmm. sure you have your mammograms and yeah. app smears and listen mm -hmm. to your body, but also stay on top of things. Absolutely. Yes. But, you know, we've kept Christina out for an hour here and we appreciate the time. But to end on a fun note, obviously we wanted to be a little educational here and I think we have been. But also want to have a friendly reminder again to end this on a positive note. Spooky Empire, April 30th through May 2nd, Orlando, Florida. If you're in the area or you're comfortable with traveling and, and vaccinate it and everything else, go see her at the convention. Yes. Christina, thank you so much. I, I have one even more positive thing. Um, okay, go I for actually, it. I, I, um, I have a deck of uh, Osho Zen cards and I just... Um, I was like, I'm going to choose a card for whoever's listening right now for us all. And I got um, the healing card, um, which was so random because we were talking about healing. Mm -hmm. uh, well, we were talking about, you know, disease and issues. And I got the healing card. And, and the healing card is obviously for anybody like, you know, we've all gone through like a really difficult year. You know, there's so many, so many aspects of healing that we can, you know, that we need right now and we can self heal like in this, this card, it looks like there's like a Reiki, but it's also, it's just about your hands, you know, I don't know. It's just about healing, healing yourself. Anyway, and so that's a positive what, thing. What's the word that we used earlier with Dallas serendipity mm -hmm. again, right here. Yes. 
folks. Yes. You know, that, I think I might bring these cards to the convention. So then I'll, I'll do little mini readings for people if they come to my table. There I'll you go. <laughs> there you go. Another reason to go see uh, Christina. Uh, thank you so much for the time. You're welcome. Thanks so much for having me. Not all football helmets are created equal. Zenith, the industry leader in protective technology, is the only helmet in the game with adaptive head protection featuring a shock suspension system that can move independently from the helmet shell. Headquartered and developed in Detroit, Zenith is committed to player safety and revolutionary innovation. Zenith is proud to protect athletes at every level from peewee to the pros. Learn more about the Zenith difference at zenith.com. That's X-E-N-I-T-H.com. Wow! Thinking your day is bad and really looking to make it worse? Why not try downloading this new classic set of music that will be dropping so far off the charts, there's bound to be injuries. <laughs> now that's what I call depressing. It's gonna make those who are even close to having the slightest glimmer of hope wanna jump off the highest of planks. For those that are getting Now That's What I Call Depressing, you'll be getting that song that reminds you of that relationship with those cougars, Wrinkled Ladies. For those who weren't really into cougars, but those who had that special friend while Sincere Black 2B, we got for you this clusterfuck that will put you in therapy for years to come. With cheeks wide open. <laughs> Who the fuck writes this shit? Oh hell, we're still recording this commercial. Always with you, it cannot be done. Those that rather have it out than in. This loaded hit will be dropping soon. Farthing in the USA. For those who place their order by calling or ordering online, the next hundred folks will receive their choice of either a noose of good quality that won't snap, an installation of a new outlet next to your bathtub so you can now blow dry your hair in a full tub. Or the choice of the right gang to just beat the fuck out of you. Call us today at 1-800-FUCK-THIS. Anthony DeLongis, and you're listening to Crazy Train Radio.